please grab your copy of God's Word. We'll be in Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Revelations chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. To help prepare our minds for Adam's lesson, the joy of Christian living. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his bondservants, the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. here and we're grateful for that good to, good to see members of the true x family with us today and uh we mourn with you and we're here for you and we love you and uh having spent a lot of time recently with brother ron for tomorrow about this but i've not seen anybody faithfully sit uh, by someone's spouse as faithfully as brother ron has in a long time and so we're grateful for your family and love you all dearly i want to think about that this morning the joy of Christian living. Is it a joy to live the Christian life? Is there a better life? Is there a better way of living than to live the Christian life? Now, I've told you before, those of you who know me, in junior high and high school, I worked for a cattle farmer in Missouri, Mr. Houston. And Mr. Houston was known for his immaculate farms. He had multiple farms. All of them had uh, outbuildings and barns. But there was nothing that was ever out of place. He worked very diligently to keep everything in good working order. Uh, all of the buildings were going to be nicely painted. None of the implements were going to be left outside to get weathered on. Uh, everything was going to be mowed and taken care of. And the fences were always in good shape. Uh, he and I made sure uh, many, many hours were spent fixing and repairing fence. I'm telling you, to be one of the cows that lived on the farm of Mr. Houston was to be in a good place. Everything was well taken care of. There was no reason to be anywhere else. You were going to be well fed. You were going to have all your needs met. All the waters were working. And yet, cows can be dumb. They're dumb cows. Dumb cows who would stick their necks through a barbed wire fence to try to get to grass on the other side dumb. I mean, they would hurt themselves. They would break the fence. They would do what they could to get through because in their minds, there was something better on the other side of the fence. So I want to ask you the question this morning, is the grass really greener on the other side? Is the grass really greener on the other side? If I'm going to choose to walk with God, am I going to be thinking, is there a better way? Is there a life that is easier? Is there a life that is more fun? Is God really holding out on me? And I want you to think with me this morning that the devil's lie is that the grass is greener on the other side. The devil has been at this for a very long time. In fact, if you go back with me to Genesis chapter 3, you will see that that's exactly what the devil has always been about. 
The devil has always been about convincing God's people that God is restricted, that God is holding them back, that God is holding out on them, that there is actually a better life, there's an easier life, there's a life that's more fun if you'll just leave God and go to the other side. That's exactly what he, he tried to get Eve to do, isn't that right? In Genesis chapter 3, the, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, you shall not touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God and you'll know good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she gave to her husband with her and he ate. And that's exactly what the devil asks us to do. He's asking us to think, think of God. You're holding out on me. You're restricting me. I remember uh, for the life of me, there were times when I was growing up when I really thought my parents, I, I, I knew that they had rules and I knew that they loved me and I knew that they wanted me to do certain things and I really knew in my heart of hearts that, that there were things that they restricted me from doing for my own good. But then there were those times where I just couldn't come up with the logic. I just didn't get it. I didn't know why they were holding me back. I didn't know why for the life of me that they would not allow me to go certain places and do certain things. I just couldn't figure it out. There were times I felt they were holding out on me. I thought there really were times that they just didn't want me to have any fun. I thought there were times that they just didn't care whether or not I was uh, liked or not. You ever have those thoughts about God? Do you really care? Is this really the best life? Is there a better life out there? This morning, I want us to consider for just a moment that, that we have a God who is not a God of no fun. He is not a God who doesn't want us to be happy. He is not a God who doesn't want us to enjoy life. He is not a God who takes pleasure in pain. He is not a God who takes pleasure in heartache. But he is a God of real and lasting joy. And the best life is a Christian life. The best life is a life that walks with Jesus. I am convinced it is the best life that there is. This morning I want to give you five reasons why I believe, and why the Bible teaches us that the Christian life is the best life. Are there more than five reasons? Of course. Are there better reasons that you might come up with? Probably. But let me give you five. Five reasons the Christian life is the best life life. Number one, the Christian life is the best life because it is a life of real purpose. It is a life with real purpose. There are people who are floundering about, tossing to and fro out in this world who are seeking some kind of direction. They're seeking some kind of purpose, some kind of meaning. What is my life and what is this all about? But Christians don't have to wonder that. We don't have to wonder what is our purpose. We don't have to worry about our meaning we find it in Jesus. We find it in being with the Lord. We find it in loving the Word of God. You and I as Christians, we've come to know and understand and believe and hold in our hearts that this really is God's love. 
that God loved me enough to give me his word. You understand, as Paul did in Acts chapter 20, that this Bible is an extension of God's grace. That God, God loved me enough, and he is gracious enough to communicate his will for me. He loves me enough that he has communicated to me the questions that I have burning within me. God, where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? This, this book is an extension of God's love for me because he answers those questions. I don't have to flounder about. I don't have to be tossing to and fro. I can know that there is a God and this is what he's given me to know him. I love the word of God. You think about meaning and purpose in life. You think about the words that Will read for us a moment ago in Revelation chapter 1. And Can I draw your attention back there for just a moment? In, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1, I want to remind you that, that, that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to John. But it doesn't just call him John. It calls him his servant. Other translations, his bond servant. And you continue reading in that same context down in verses 2 and 3. And the Bible says that this revelation was given to John, his servant, and it was written to servants, bond servants. Is the Christian life the best life? You say, I don't want to be in bondage to anybody. I don't want to live a life of service. I don't want to be a bond servant. I don't know that I want that kind of life. And yet that's the life that John had. And that's the life that other Christians have. And we're reminded in Romans 5 and other places that really we're in bondage to someone no matter what. You want to serve the devil? Okay. You'll be his slave. You want to commit a life of sin and that's the direction you want your life to go? Okay. You're in bondage to the devil. Is that where you want to find yourself? I'd rather not. I'd rather find myself in bondage to the Lord. I want to live life to the Lord. And then I read in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 3. That God has supplied us with what we need. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, blessed is he who reads. Blessed is he who keeps or heeds. Uh, blessed are those who hear. And so I understand that, that those who are blessed, those who are happy, those who find meaning and purpose in life, are those who read, hear, and keep the word of God. I want to have a happy life. I want to find a life with purpose and meaning. And I'm going to find it in the Word of God. I'm going to find it in a relationship with Him. I love to think about Genesis chapter 1. I love to think about God speaking and all of this world coming to existence. And I know that there are people who are bent on, on uh, evolution out there. And, and they're bent on removing God from all of it. Uh, the boys are reading in school right now a book called It Couldn't Just Happen. And this last chapter that they were reading talked about the human body. And they each came up to me at different times. And they were telling me fascinating things that they had learned about the human body. One of the fascinating things that Evan said was that within the human body, a normal, uh, full-grown human body, there are over 75,000 miles of blood vessels. Alan came to me and said, Dad, that, that can go around the earth a couple of times. Blood vessels in your body. Can you imagine that? Now, it couldn't just happen. That's the name of the book. It couldn't just happen. And yet, there are people out there who believe it did. They believe that we've just evolved to be this way, that, that this body that functions with all these different systems within it, that it just happened. I rather choose to believe that there's a God 
And I made in his image, because that's what the word of God says in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea, and over every creeping thing which creeps on the earth. And God did. He made us in his image, male and female. He created them. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 7, the Bible says that from the dust of the ground, the Lord formed the man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. In Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, this is the genealogy of Adam. This is Adam's family. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, that God made man in his image. Again, it tells us this. And he says in verse number 2 that he made them male and female and he called them mankind. I love to think about that. I love to think about purpose that we find in God. That I don't have to wonder where I came from. I know where I came from. And that gives my life meaning and purpose. Should you too. I want to understand that when I go to, to Luke chapter 3 and I read about the genealogy, there in Luke chapter 3, you know that Luke starts with Joseph and he works his way backwards. And I like to think about the end of that, especially in Luke chapter 3, where we find in this same genealogy, beginning in verse number 37, you've got the son, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahaliel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Cain, the son of Adam, the son of... The Son of God. Isn't that amazing to think about? I want a life with purpose and meaning, and I find it in God. I'm one of His children, that I am made in His image, that I wasn't at one time just a ball of goo, or I wasn't coming from some different kind of animal, but I find that in this life I have purpose. I have a book that God has given me in order to communicate with me. I love His Word, and in it, it tells me where I come from why I'm here, and where I'm going. The Christian life is a life of purpose. And my purpose is to fear God and keep His commandments. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 13. This is the whole duty of man. And so I find myself in God's world. I find myself in His pasture, so to speak. And no, the grass is not greener on the other side. I know that I am safe as I walk with Him, and I will stay with Him. Thank you very much. I don't want to go anywhere. This is the best life. There's nowhere else to be. I simply don't want to be anywhere else because I find my purpose in God and in his word. The Christian life is the best life because it is a life of change. And you say, yuck, I don't like change. I've heard Brother Ron say several times in the last week, Adam, I don't like change. Not many of us do, do we? We don't like change. But I'll tell you, the Christian life is the best life because it is a life of change. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Now I understand that these three parables in Luke 15 are very, very familiar. I understand that you know these parables. Many of you, if not being able to quote them word for word, you certainly know what they are. But I want to back up to verse number 1. The Bible says that all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. A lot of people out there who are looking for real purpose in their life. They're looking for real meaning. There's sinners out there, 
and they don't know where they can find themselves. They don't know where to find real purpose and meaning. And I am reminded that in the days of Jesus, it was to Jesus that sinners came. It was they were looking for purpose and meaning in their life, and they found themselves drawn to Jesus. Well, that didn't make everybody happy. Not everybody's pleased with this scenario. The Pharisees hated this scenario, that Jesus was receiving sinners, and that he had the gall to eat with them. And so Jesus is going to give these three parables. He's going to talk about change. You know, in Luke chapter 15, I, I love the parable of the lost sheep. Which of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lo- I'm in verse 4, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Now listen to the joy. When he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now, from a shepherd's standpoint, you and I can understand that if you've got 100 sheep and one of them wanders off and you find it in the wilderness, it's wandered off into this deserted place, and, and you find it, you can understand why there would be great joy on behalf of the shepherd. You can understand why he would take that sheep and throw it up on his shoulders. And you can understand why he would go home and he would call his friends and say, Rejoice with me, for I found the sheep that was lost. But what about the sheep? What if you're the lost sheep? What if all of a sudden you're not in familiar territory? What if all of a sudden you're not with all of your friends and and all of your loved ones and all the surroundings that you're familiar with and all of a sudden you're the sheep and you find yourself having wandered off and now you're in a deserted place? Imagine how the sheep felt when the sheep heard the shepherd. When the shepherd picked it up. When the shepherd put the sheep on his shoulders. When the shepherd took it home. When the shepherd threw a party because you were found. You look at this from the standpoint of the shepherd. Why don't we think about it from the standpoint of the sheep? And I know you have, but, but there's joy. I'm telling you, that sheep is, is happy. Because it was lost and now it's found. That's the point. Now, you get into the next parable, right? And now you've got a woman who has ten coins and she loses one. And the Bible says she sweeps out her whole house. She cleans it all out and she finds the lost coin. I'm telling you, there's, there's joy when the coin is found. In verse number 10, in verse number 9, rejoice with me, I found the peace that I lost. In verse number 10, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, change, come to God. This is the life that is the best life. Because it's a life that goes from being lost to being found. And then, of course, you've got the prodigal son, right? Now, with the prodigal son... He, he chooses to leave. He says, I'm going to find joy somewhere else. I believe the grass is greener on the other side. I believe that I can find better joy and happiness. Maybe I can find better meaning and purpose in life if I just leave home. And so I'm, I'm sick of dad being a downer. I'm out. I'm leaving. And he goes into, the, into the, the land far away and he wastes everything that he has. And he finds out, nope, the grass actually isn't greener. On the other side. You know dad never moved. You know the boy. Uh, it doesn't seem he needed a map. To get home. He, he just knew where home was. 
Dad didn't put the house up for sale and, and move away from him. The boy knew exactly where home was. And so at one point he says, I got to get out of this pig pen. And he decides, I'm going to go home. And guess where dad was? Running. Running to get to him. I'll tell you, there's joy in that story. There's joy going from being lost to being found. The grass is not greener on the other side. You know, a life that has lived in sin. Evan asked us to think about that for a minute this morning. I go back to a time in my life when I was a younger man. And I, I, I think about some of the, the ways I acted like a dumb cow. The way that I tried to stick my head through the fence, hurt myself. Not only caused myself pain, but those that love me, I caused them pain too. I was dumb. I did really dumb things. And I thought I was searching for happiness. I thought I was going to find real joy. I was dumb. This boy wasn't smart, was he? He wasn't smart. You and I can see it wasn't smart. But he was looking for something when he had it all along. Change is a good thing. No more hiding. You know, you think about sin, and I, I can't let mom and dad find out. I can't let my friends find out. I can't let other people find out. There are some living in sin, and they say such silly things as, my wife can't know about this. My husband, he could never know about this. That's dumb. That is silly. I don't want to live a life like that where I have to do things in hiding. I want to be out in the open. God is watching. Of course he is. He knows everything I'm doing. But I don't want to live a life in hiding. I don't want to live a life of being lost. I don't want to go into a far-off land. I don't want to be away from those that love me most. A life of repentance is the best life there is. Ask the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. He said, I thought I knew where, where the green grass was. I thought I found a better life. But I was outside of Jesus. And so now he says, I will gladly count all of those things as rubbish that I might gain Christ. What would Paul say? No, no. The grass is not greener on the other side. Find yourself in Jesus. This is the best life there is. It's a changed life. And as I continue to grow and I recognize sin in my life, I will continue to want to make that change. And God is faithful to forgive me of those things that I need to change and turn away from. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Number three, why is the Christian life the best life? It's a life of purpose and meaning. It's a life that is a changed life. Number three, it is the best life because it is the reflective life. It is a life that is reflective. That is, I am not the source. I am not the power. I simply reflect the power source. I simply reflect the light. I don't have to come up with it. I just have to reflect it. That becomes a lot easier. I don't have to be the light bulb. I just have to be the mirror. I can be a mirror. We can just reflect Jesus to the world. That's all he asks us to do. It's the best life because we get to reflect Jesus to the world. There's a dark world out there that is in need of true light. And we know who the light is. We simply show them the light. We don't have to come up with the message. We just have to teach the message. 
We don't have to come up with salvation. We just have to show that there is such a thing as salvation. We're simply the reflection. Of course, I have in mind here Matthew chapter 5. In verse number 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are that which gives flavor. You are that which preserves. You are that which provides a life in me. You're helping people as salt of the earth. But then he says, beginning in verse number 14, that we're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Yes, they're looking at you, but you're just reflecting so that they can, bring, they can give glory where it is deserved, and that is to God. I like Luke chapter 11 and what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. And it happened as he spoke these things that certain women from the crowd, a certain woman raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed, happy, finding joy are those who hear the word of God. And keep it. Can I go to heaven without obeying Jesus? The answer is no. I understand that. Can you go to heaven without obeying the word of God? No. You understand that too. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 7 and verse number 21. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Who obey it. Who continue to obey God's word. What are we doing? We're simply reflecting that to the world. Can I ask you a question? Is the world a better place with or without Jesus? You say that's a silly question. Of course it is. The world is better with Jesus. If we will behave ourselves and we will reflect Jesus to the world, the world becomes a much better place. If you were here Wednesday night, Mike used Philippians 2 and verse number 15, where there he talked about shining. And the ability that we have as Christians to shine in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. We shine as lights to those who are in darkness. Listen to me. For all that Jesus has done for me, what can I but do? Reflect him to the world. For all Jesus has done for us, what can I but do? Teach him to the rest of the world. It's amazing to me when you really stop and consider that Jesus has given me, little old me, a speck on a speck in the grand universe of things, the ability to proclaim him, to share him, to teach others about him. He's empowered little old me to share the gospel with others. Little old you to share the gospel with others. The Christian life is the best life because we get to show the compassion and love of Jesus to those who are in the world. That's number three. The Christian life is the best life because it's a life of real purpose and meaning. The Christian life is the best life because it's a changed life. It doesn't look like the rest of the world, but we're obeying Jesus. We find ourselves in him. 
The Christian life is the best life because it's a life of reflection. We're simply showing Jesus to the rest of the world. And anytime the world can see Jesus, the world is a better place. The Christian life is the best life because it is a life of service. The Christian life is not a selfish life. Listen to me. I don't care how old you are this morning. We better get this. It takes sometimes a long time to grow out of being selfish. You know, babies are selfish. They're so selfish. Evan, sometimes he'll say to a, a little child, a little baby, he'll say, stop being such a baby. <laughs> well, he knows what he's saying. I know what he's saying. We understand how babies are, right? We understand what babies are. We understand that they don't know how to say anything. All they know is they're hungry, and so they'll cry until you feed them. They know they're thirsty, and so they'll cry until you give them something to drink. They know their diaper's dirty, and so they'll cry until you change it. They're selfish. All they're thinking about is themselves. And some of us never grow out of it. That's the problem. Some of us never grow out of it. Some of us, and again, us, I'm not, I'm not excluding myself, some of us, we, we get way too focused on me and way too focused on, on I and not as much focused on others. The Christian life is the best life because it's not a selfish life. It's a life that looks beyond ourselves. I wonder why Eve ate of that fruit and I wonder why Adam did when he gave it to her. And the only thing I can come up with, she wanted to and so did he. It really became about them. It really became, I think that you're holding out on me, God, and I really want to eat that, <laughs> excuse me, I really want to eat that fruit. I really want to know what that tastes like. I, I, I've been looking at that tree, and, and I've been thinking about that tree, and the devil just came along, and he was just feeding on something I think she was already thinking about. I really want to know what that tastes like. I really want to know what will happen if I eat of that. I really wonder, will God really, uh, will he really keep his word? Will he really do what he says? And so they ask these kinds of questions, right? And so they wonder. And so we find that this is what happens in life sometimes, that we become selfish and we get to wondering, what would it be like? Is the grass really greener on the other side? The Christian life is not a selfish life. We've been called by God to be a part of his family. Jesus gives us the perfect example. Evan read again from Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. Mark records it in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And I suppose that if God is going to put on flesh and come down and live in life just like you and I are, and he says, I'm going to serve and not be served, then what should I do? It shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be hard. I want to serve. I want to try to help other people in life. I want to look for opportunities to, be, to do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith, Galatians 6 and verse number 10. But then I turn in my Bible over to Philippians chapter 1, and I'm reminded just how strong it is stated here. Just how much Paul says this has to be a part of who our life who of what our life is and what we are all about. To his sweetheart church, the church in Philippi, from prison, Paul wrote, only, underline it, mark it, do something with it, only, 
Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I, am, I, whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You're not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ to not only believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Then he says... Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul begins that whole context in verse number 27 by saying, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever you do and whatever you're about, make sure that your conduct is worthy of the gospel of Christ. How do I do that? I esteem others better than myself. I serve others. I'm looking out not only for my interest, but the best interest of others. I am not selfish. I am not filled with pride. I'm not about me. I'm about you. I'm about you and you and you and all of those in the world. I don't want to be selfish. Well, that grass sure seems greener on the other side because on the other side I can be filled with pride. On the other side I can eat to my heart's content. On the other side it seems to me that, that I'll be much, much happier because I'll just be thinking about me and focused on me. And so I ask you, go to the prodigal son and ask how that worked out. That's what he did. He thought the grass was greener on the other side and so he went to the other side so he could focus on him a little bit. How'd that work out? Listen, I'm not saying it's the easiest life. You haven't heard me say that. If you did, I messed up. Paul's not saying this is the easiest life. Ask Paul, is this the easiest life? He'll say, where am I writing Philippians from again? Oh yeah, prison. For what? Oh, for preaching Jesus. It's not the easiest life. You ask Paul, though, is this the best life? He'd say, oh yes. This is the best life. Even from prison, he's looking out for the needs of others. Even from prison, he's looking for ways to serve. Because from prison, he's never forgotten the mind of Christ. He's never forgotten the humility of Jesus to come down and die on the cross. He's never forgotten how unselfish Jesus was every single day that he lived on this earth. And, and from eternity to eternity, how unselfish our God is. I want to live a life of service. The Christian life is the best life because we get to serve people. It's the best life because it's not about us. It's about him and it's about others. It's the best life. Finally, this morning, I'll give you number five. I'll tell you why the Christian life is the best life because it's a life of focus. Yes, it's a life of purpose and meaning. It is a life that is a changed life. It is a life that is a reflective life. We reflect Jesus to the world and the world gets better. It is a life that is all about serving other people and serving God. It's the best life there is. But in the end, it's the best life because it's a life that has focus. Focus. 
a lot of people out here, you know, inability to focus, right? And sometimes that's me. I jump from this thing to that thing to that thing. I got to do that. I got to do that. And we're always thinking about other things. Christian life is simply a life of focus. I know where my citizenship lies. Philippians 3 and verse 20. I know where I'm going. I know that my citizenship is in heaven. And that's exactly what Paul says to these Christians in Philippi. I know where I'm going. I know what this life is all about. And I will do whatever I have to do because this life goes home. I know where home is. That boy left the far country and he knew where home was. I've never been there, but I know where I'm going. And I can't wait. I have never been there, but I know the way. I've never been there, but I have blessed hope. I've never been there, but I have an idea in my mind of how wonderful it's going to be. Christian life is the best life because it gives us focus. I know where I'm going. I know those who have gone before me to get there. And I can't wait to see them again. Christian life is a life of focus. I know the blessed promises of heaven that are given to us in his word. And I just can't wait to get there. Jesus said he's gone to prepare that place for us. And he'll come again and he'll receive us to himself. That where he is, we can be also. I'm living with that kind of focus. I've got to get home. I cannot miss going to heaven So I don't need to focus on what's popular in this life. I don't need to focus on the material things of this life. I'm really not interested as much in this life as I am focused on getting home. The life of focus. It's the best life. Because I've got somewhere to go. And I've got hope through Jesus of getting there. In Revelation 21, can I read it for you? Can we read it together? Can we think about heaven for just a moment before we close today? In Revelation 21, in verse number 3, John says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself, underline it, God himself, not the Ark of the Covenant, not a representation of him, but God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I love loved ones who have wiped tears from my face, but God is going to wipe tears from my face. There will be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There'll be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these, are, these words are true and faithful. God says, I'm not lying to you. These words are true, and they are faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's home. That's home. That's a picture of home. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's us in the home of God. I don't want anything to distract me from getting home. I want to live a life that is focused. And so, brethren and friends, let's hold fast the word of life. 
Let's not let go of God's word and what he tells us to do. Let's hold fast the word of life. Let us continue to eat of the bread of life. Jesus, the Christ, the bread of life. If you will take me in, if you will eat me, then all blessings will be given to you. Then hold fast to the bread of life so we can go home to eternal life. Titus 1 and verse 2, that God has promised, a God who cannot lie has told us is ours if we will live the Christian life. If we will stay in Jesus, if we will find our hope in him, then we can go home to be with him. The Christian life is the best life there is. You questioning this morning? Something's still rolling around in your brain? Something saying, you know what? I don't know. Is the grass greener on the other side? I hope that we've, we've looked at enough scripture this morning and been reminded, no, this is the best life. The grass is not greener on the other side. But can I remind you what the Bible says the grass on the other side of the fence really is? It's mire and dog vomit. That's what Peter said. The other side of the fence is death. The other side of the fence, that's who you were. Don't go to the other side of the fence. Don't wander back. If you're a child of God, remember the Christian life is the best life. And on the other side of the fence is mire and dog vomit. Don't go back. Don't ever give it up. You stay with Jesus where your hope truly lies. Be focused on him and go home. Go home to be with him. There is not a better life than a life that lives with Jesus. It is not promised to be the easiest life, but I guarantee you, it is the best. It is the best. Let us be faithful and let us go home. This morning, if you as a child of God, maybe you've tried going to the other side and that's maybe where you still find yourself, do you know that you can get back across? You know that the, the door is always open. Jesus is the door, John chapter 10. You can come right back in. He will allow you as long as you're taking breath into your body and you have the ability to repent. You can. You can come back and you can find yourself right with him and you can be faithful. He'll forgive. If you need to do that today in a public way as a child of God, please do. Please, before it's eternally too late. You know the other side of the fence? It's a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. The other side of the fence, it's outer darkness. It's not just darkness, it's outer darkness. The other side of the fence, it's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The other side of the fence, that's a place reserved for the devil and his angels. I'm not interested. I'll stay with Jesus, and I'll go home. This morning, my friend, if you are not a child of God, if you're not a Christian, if you don't find yourself in Jesus where all spiritual blessings are found, if you are not saved today, maybe you're sitting here and saying, I have questions. I see what the screen says, and I can see those passages behind it, but I don't know if I understand all of that. Ask. Ask. I'll be so happy to sit down. There's so many of us who would love to sit down and study with you. But this morning, if you recognize that this is the plan that God has given for you to be saved, and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, 
and you're ready to make that confession, you are prepared today to repent of sin in your life, to live a changed life, and you're ready today to be immersed in the waters of baptism to meet the blood of Jesus and have your sins washed away, and you're ready to be found in Christ to live the best life that there is, then why are you waiting? Please come while together we stand and while we sing.